0: Welcome to another inspiring message from Pastor David Hall, senior pastor of Life Point Church. For more information, visit our website on www.davidhall.com.au. I want to, I want to share tonight on uh, on something that I used to preach about this many many years ago, and I just felt like the Lord's been quickening this as something that that I needed to look at with fresh eyes and and just see what the Lord was saying to the church. And if you have a Bible, tell me, please, the book of Genesis in chapter 8. We will read it in, in just a moment. All through the Bible, uh, we see that, especially the Old Testament, we see that the Old Testament casts these things called shadows, or we call them types, which are, are I guess, silhouettes or vague pictures of New Testament realities that are going to come into sharper focus. If I was to get my hand, there's not really a a huge amount of places I can cast a shadow. But if I go back here against this wall, you can see uh, if, I, if I put my hand out, it's casting a fair few shadows, but you get the drift. Uh, it's going to be the same shape as my hand. You're going to be able to tell it's my hand, but it's going to have different... Uh, it's, gonna, it's not going to have the detail. You won't be able to see my nails or my cuticles or my fingerprints. Or, but but they, they do give you a, a type or an outline of a new covenant... Reality and i want to I want to look at some of the types and pictures of the Holy Spirit just as we uh, get into the Word together and and if you look through the bible you 'll see that oil uh, is always a, a type of the Holy Spirit when we see oil mentioned, the anointing with oil, that was a picture of. An endowment or an empowering of the Spirit of God, and, and David even said in Psalm twenty-three, we know he said, "You anoint my head with oil." And, and throughout the Bible, it's very it's, there's, a, there's many times where we see the anointing with oil on somebody's life is a powerful thing because it's a picture of of the the work of the Holy Spirit. Uh, we know that living water or, or rivers. The rivers of living water, the river or water, living water, the river of living water is a picture of the Holy Spirit. Whenever we hear uh, the, the, the Word of God talking about a river, we can know he's, they're talking about the Holy Ghost. Uh, uh, revelation 22, uh, the, the final revelation that John on the island of Patmos had, as he gave us the book of Revelation, he said, I see a river flowing from the throne of God and the Lamb. I love the fact that Ezekiel, he had been in the temple a thousand times, but there was one time where God showed him a vision and a picture of a river that would bring healing and bring life, the river of the Holy Ghost. And the Bible says in the book of John that out of our innermost being flow rivers of living water and you know it's amazing Jesus spoke to the woman at the well he said hey I want to show you uh some living water if you drink of it you'll never thirst again but heaven says I'm gonna pour out a whole river of living water it one drop will satisfy you for life but I'm gonna pour out a river of blessing that will satisfy the people of God. I love the I love the work of the Holy Spirit we see uh in, in the book of Acts the Bible says in Acts 2 2 suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, wind is a, is a picture of the Holy Spirit, the wind of God. It was the wind of God that touched the waters of the Red Sea, part of the waters. And the Israelites walked through on dry ground. The wind of God is supernatural. Huh? I love seeing the Holy Spirit described as wind because you can't see the wind, but you can see its effects. We we even just this past couple of weeks we've had some windstorms that if you drive through just the suburb where I live down in Mawson Lakes, the playground just near our house has a big sail and those sails have been ripped apart. You can see signs that are a little bent over. I remember driving to New Orleans after Hurricane well flying to New Orleans after Hurricane Katrina and we drove in there two weeks after that storm had blowing through and you could see the, the, uh, the hundreds of signs and buildings that had just been totally destroyed by a hurricane. Could you see the wind? No, but you could see its effects. I can't see the Holy Spirit, but I can see his effects in the life of people It'll change lives. I mean, I don't know, but some of you look like you've been affected by the wind. You've been, you've been affected by the wind of God. You, the way you talk's different. Your attitude's different. Your, your level of faith is different because you've been touched by something unseen, but it's changed your heart and changed your life. I I love the Holy Ghost. Another picture of the Holy Spirit. John talks about it in the book of John. And in Matthew 3.11, he says, He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. He says, I baptize you in water for the remission of sin. He said, but there's one coming. He'll baptize you with or in the Holy Ghost and with fire. You say, why are you talking about this stuff? Because I believe as Christians, the most important thing that can happen to us is to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of the living God alive in our life. And and, and another symbol of the Holy Spirit in the book of Luke chapter three is a dove. It says the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove upon him, that's Jesus. And a voice came from heaven and said, you are my beloved son in you. I am well pleased. Now, It is important as we study this and have a look at it, that we know that these symbols are not the Holy Spirit. They are used by Scripture, used by Jesus, used by God, to convey the nature of the Holy Spirit. You know, you read a story of Samson. I don't know how he did it, but didn't he get 300 foxes and he tied the tails together And lit them on fire. And they ran through that city. Now, let me tell you, some of us, if our tails had catch a light, we too would run with a sense of urgency. There would be a sense of we need to get moving because our tails are... The fire of God is that thing that ignites in us. And suddenly we've got a boldness that we never had before. And the thing about fire is, is the more fuel there is for that fire, the more it begins to multiply and consume. And I pray that that consuming fire of God would be in our lives, but would have an effect on the people around and about us. Fire of God, the Holy Spirit, the dove. We see a picture of the dove. I love this picture. It's it's a picture that I don't preach on too often. But there's Jesus being baptized in water, a dove comes from heaven. The Holy Spirit appears in the form of a dove. The Trinity is is right there in action. You've got the Father. This is my beloved Son with whom I'm more pleased. You've got the Holy Spirit appearing before their very eyes. And and, uh, and, and you've got Jesus right there in that moment. The the Trinity working together. There's a baptism in water. And I believe there's a a baptism in the Holy Ghost happening right there. Two separate experiences happening at one time. And and you know, it's the the power of the Holy Spirit that enabled Jesus to do the things he did. We'll talk more about that in a minute. But I want to look at this picture of the dove. An important and a powerful picture of the Holy Spirit and who He is and how He operates in our lives and in our world by the Spirit of God. I want you to turn with me together, please, the book of Genesis chapter 8. Let's just go through it together from verse 1. It says this thing, God remembered Noah and every living thing. And all the animals were with him in the ark, and God made a wind to pass over the earth, and the waters subsided. The fountains of the deep and the windows of heaven were also stopped. The rain from heaven was restrained and the waters receded continually from the earth. At the end of the 150 days, the waters decreased. Then the ark rested in the seventh month, the 17th day of the month, and on the mountains of Ararat. And the waters decreased continually until the 10th month. In the 10th month, on the first day of the month, the tops of the mountains were seen. So it came to pass at the end of the 40 days, Noah opened the window of the ark which he had made, and he sent out a raven. Somebody say a raven. Which kept going to and fro until the waters had dried up from the earth. He also sent out from himself. It's interesting. He sent out a raven, but he also sent out from himself a dove to see if the waters had receded from the face of the ground. But the dove found no resting place for the sole of her foot and she returned into the ark for the waters to him for the waters were on the face of the whole earth so he put out his hand and he took her and drew her into the ark to himself and he waited yet another 7 days and again he sent the dove out from the ark then the dove came to him in the evening and behold a freshly plucked olive leaf was in her mouth aka beak and no one knew This dove was different. Had a mouth, had lips, bit of Botox, is working good, collagen, had its teeth done. No one knew that the waters had receded from the earth, so he waited yet another seven days and sent out the dove, which did not return again to him anymore. And it came to pass in the 601st year, in the first month, the first day of the month, the waters and that's a lot of days right there. The waters were dried up from the earth, and Noah removed the covering of the ark and looked. And indeed, the surface of the ground was dry. We see this passage is quite powerful because he sends out a dove. Noah does. Well, he sends out a raven, and he sends from himself a dove. The raven in Scripture it's a picture of man's effort. It's a picture of the law. It's a picture of living outside of the grace of God. And the raven is what you would really liken to a rat of the air. And I'm not saying that to be unkind. Really, a raven is much like a crow. And I am a crow supporter. So this, this whole principle of sending the raven to and from, the, from the ark And to send the dove from himself was to see whether there was life or whether there was anything or any hope for their future to to inhabit planet Earth. Now, what you've got to understand is the, 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 the raven, being kind of a rat of the air, didn't have to live on living things. The raven could settle on an old carcass of an animal, could settle on an old log, could settle on something that was dead. But a dove, in its very nature cannot live in places that are not alive. And so we see here that the dove would just go to and fro back to the ark, go and dwell in dead places and live in dead places. But the dove, who is a type of the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God does not inhabit dead places. I'm telling you right now, I, I don't believe that the Spirit of God inhabits formless religion and, and, and formless tradition. I believe the dove inhabits where, where there's that, that sense of the life of God and, and lives. See, see, ravens can live in dirty places, doves. Live in clean places. If, if, if you and I want to live filled with the Spirit, let's make sure that we become a, a living, settling place, a clean, settling place for the abiding presence of the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm not saying one day if you have a dirty day, the dove's going to go and leave. That's my best dove impression. I actually thought it was pretty good. Just myself. I know a lot of you weren't laughing because you were very impressed, but uh, that's okay. But the raven... Ravens are promiscuous. They'll hook up with any old raven. Fact. Ravens are like, hey, raven, how you doing? Gah, gah. And they're basically married, you know? They make a whole lot of other ravens. Doves. They're in covenant with the one dove for their entire life. One partner. And they don't gah, gah. They're like, cool, cool. Study this. It's on Wikipedia. That's very Spiritual. Yeah, I don't want to be around Christians and walk around, ah, ah. I want to be around, ooh, ooh. It's a very deep Shrek. I'm telling you. Do you know the beautiful thing about the Holy Spirit is the Spirit's connection with God the Father in heaven. He sent the raven. So God sends from himself. Noah's a picture of God the Father in this, in this, in this narrative. But he sends from himself the dove, who is a picture of the Holy Spirit. And it's interesting that he didn't just send the dove like he sent the raven. The raven just came to and fro. He sent the dove from himself and received the dove back to himself. It's a powerful thing because the dove speaks of the Spirit of God. The Bible shows us that the dove made three journeys. And it wasn't until the third journey that he found his settling place. I guess I want to use for a thought tonight, the settling place. We, we talk about this and, and, and hear this story and we really hear about the rains and the floods and all of this kind of thing. But the truth is, Noah's Ark, there's so much theology within the story that's quite powerful. And the Bible says he, he sent from himself a dove and the dove made three, three journeys. And the dove settled on that, third, on that third journey. The first journey, the dove Goes for a, a flight, I guess, and comes back. There's nowhere for the dove's feet to land. And so he called her into himself. If we look at the Holy Spirit in the Bible, there have been three very clear journeys of the Holy Spirit. The first, the journey of the Holy Spirit. Never, ever had a place for his feet to settle. The Bible says he hovered over the waters. Occasionally the Holy Spirit would descend upon some of the great men of faith. The hand of the Lord came upon Ezekiel. The power of God came upon Samson. The power of God came upon Gideon. The power of God even came upon Moses came upon the great men of faith. But for a purpose, for but a moment, never settled. So he never had a place to settle. The Holy Spirit and the dove, we see the first journey, the same thing. There was never a place. The second journey of the dove is quite consistent with the second journey of the Holy Spirit. The first journey of the dove. We see that the dove, again, found nowhere where where to place her feet, but came back to the ark with an olive branch in her beak or in her mouth, which is a similar piece. It's a symbol of new life has come. Much like the second journey of the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit came to earth, he descended on Jesus. And he remained with Jesus for three and a half years as Jesus ministered. And then then Jesus ascended to heaven. The Holy Spirit was upon him. And with him as he ascended to heaven, it was a picture that the price had been paid and new life had come. And so we see consistent with the travels of this dove is same with the Holy Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit returns the ark. The dove returns the ark. and, and, And the very fact that new life had come was a promise that a price had been paid. And death had finished and life had come. So the third journey of the dove, that there was a settling place finally for the dove to rest, and the dove never returned. It's just like that with the Holy Spirit today, that the Holy Spirit has found a place to settle, and that is upon His church. We are the settling place of the spirit of God I mean that's actually good that 's a good thought for you to remember because sometimes you forget who you are. you are a branch in which the dove can settle in your branches, and sometimes I feel like uh, we we pull our branches underwater when conviction comes. no we don 't need the dove settling on us right now, Ooh, glug 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 glug. And just keep him away, or we pull him under waters of resistance, where we resist the holy Spirit, or we or maybe maybe it's he, he touches an issue in our life and we withdraw, but i definitely would say that if I am a tree of righteousness and I'm the planting of the Lord, then I want the Holy Spirit to nest and settle in the branches of my life. Because I know that I can't do anything without the power of God. Jesus on His earthly ministry, Acts 10.38, God anointed Jesus with the Holy Ghost and with power who went about doing it. Jesus needed the power of the Holy Spirit. Life Point church i 'm telling you, I feel like God 's spoken to my heart and i 'm going, going to beat this drum've beating it for I 've been preaching since 14 or 15 years now, and I haven't, my message hasn 't changed. We have to be a people of the spirit of God. We have to be a people that God can abide with. and last Sunday, Pastor Frank was here. I listened to the message from Sunday. How many were here last Sunday morning where he talked about being a professional pastor with professional hair? And and, and, I, and, and can I tell you, he, he had an encounter with God that changed his life and, and he can never go back to the way he was. And, and can I tell you, I, I don't want to just be a Christian and just do Christianity week after week. I want those moments where God so changes my world that I'm never the same. I I need that anointing from God. I need that presence. I I need a a touch of, of the dove of heaven. I need his blessing. I need his presence. I need his anointing. I need his touch in my life. We need the anointing of God in our church. I love what God is doing all over the earth and And I know for a fact that there is, and I see it everywhere I go, there is a shifting back uh, to the things of the Spirit of God. God's going to do something and touch hearts and touch lives. Why? Because there's a grace on this house, but I I, I don't want to just be a church that has an impact elsewhere. I want the, the dove in here. I want... I want to know that everyone in our church, Pastor George, is regularly reading the Word and regularly praying in the Spirit. I want to know that you're praying in tongues. I want to know straight up without... I, I don't even, I'm i not even sorry for saying it because some people go, they're so cautious, you know, you know if you... No, you've got to be filled with the Spirit. You've got to pray in your prayer language and and know what it is to have the Holy Spirit abiding in your life, living in your branches or living, I don't know where He wants to live specifically, but in your heart or in your spirit or whatever it is, but but, but that we would be the settling place of God. A few years ago, it's a long time ago now, it's nine years ago, I was in in Los Angeles and uh, I had a meeting with a pastor, and as I was driving, I saw this street sign that said Bonnie Bray Street or Bonnie Bray Avenue, I think. Bonnie Bray Street. And, uh, and I guess I've got to set up the story, but I remember seeing this sign, and so I did a U-turn. I remember thinking the greatest revival of the modern age apparently started in Bonnie Bray Street in Los Angeles, so I wondered if it was the same Bonnie Bray Street. So I turned, and lo and behold... I see this house called the Bonnie Bray House. And it says, basically, there's a plaque there, and it said where the great revival of, ni- of the 1900s started. Now, let me tell you a little bit about this church. This church was owned by just a, a regular old family in, in, uh, in Los Angeles. And so that was, a, that was not a big deal, but I'm going to wind the clock back a bit further. In 1901, there was a guy by the name of Charles Fox Parham, who was a, a Bible college teacher. And he'd been reading the Bible and reading about the baptism in the Holy Spirit and, and seeing this gift called speaking in tongues and praying in the Holy Ghost. He, he starts doing this whole teaching on being filled with the Spirit and speaking in tongues. tongues. not hadn't spoken in tongues himself, but then he gets filled with the Spirit. So he moves down to a place called Houston, Texas, where he starts teaching this uh, concept of receiving the baptism in the Holy Spirit with the ability to speak in tongues and the accompanying sign, the initial physical evidence, if you will. And so he starts talking about that. And, and so this becomes his message. And so this Bible college is growing and there's an African-American guy. And, you know, America was a racist old place back in the turn of last century. And so this guy, by the name of William Seymour, it's funny because he actually only had one working eye. He was blind in the other eye, which you'd kind of think his last name probably should have changed to C less, but... <laughs> And so he starts, he, he starts teaching on this whole principle of, uh, of, of speaking in tongues. So Seymour is sitting outside. They wouldn't let him in the Bible college because of racism. He had to sit outside and listen through an open window. So William Seymour <coughs> starts preaching this message on the baptism of the Spirit, but still hadn't received it himself. So he gets an invitation to become the senior pastor of a church in Los Angeles. So he goes over to this church in Los Angeles, travels from Houston to Los Angeles. That's like traveling probably not unlike Perth, to Adelaide in distance, so a long way. Um, So he heads out to to LA and then goes to his church, and he preaches his first sermon as a senior pastor of the church. He preached on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They were so offended with what he preached that he lost his job week one. So he he didn't know what else to do, and so he just decides to stay there was a family in the church that took him in. They said, we don't even believe the message you're preaching, but you've come all this way. We probably need to give you a place to stay. And, and so he stayed with these people called the Ashberries. and he stayed in their home. And, uh, and and so that was where he was staying. And every day he kept talking about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and the power to speak in tongues, to flow in the gifts of the Spirit. And uh, And so this just became the conversation and and it drove them mad. But one night, William Seymour gets filled with the Holy Ghost. I mean, he gets the whole double dose. He gets the full-on touch of heaven. So then he is in the, he is in the, in the house telling them what has happened. I have, now I've received it. And he starts showing them. Now, the daughter of the family that took him in, or a sister or whatever, she was an adult. She, she starts... She's at the dinner table while he's telling the story. The fire of God hits her. And so she just gets up and starts playing the piano. She had never played the piano in her life. And from that day, she played the piano super good. I mean, she was playing all the songs played under the anointing of God. I guess if you can do stuff with your mouth, you can do stuff with your fingers. So and, and, and I'll I'll just mention that she became the piano player for the whole revival for for for, for the next for the next six or seven years. And, and it's quite supernatural. But what happened? They end up he ends up marrying this lady and they, they, they start having meetings every day in the house. People would walk past the house and be slain in the spirit. I mean wouldn't it be great if people just walked down Northeast Road out the front of life point. Thump. What happened? The anointing of God i hit them. Then they got hit by a truck. But that wouldn't be good. We might need to just... On that side of the building would be prevalent. And so people falling out of the power of God. On three different occasions, a fire brigade came to put out fires that weren't even there. It's just that the building had been, there were visitations of the fire of God. People saw fire and and it fell on, <coughs> excuse me, on that house. And so basically the house just became too small for the hundreds of people descending on it. And they found this old like livery stable, which just where they kept animals and animal produced and all of that in a place called Azusa Street in Los Angeles. It's right by Skid Row. It's, it's, it's downtown LA. And so he starts preaching meetings. He's doing three meetings a day, seven days a week, for something like six years. Three million people came through. Millions got converted. And the same day that the great earthquake of nineteen oh. <laughs> Happened in San Francisco. The headlines read, they're, 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 "Basically, there's been an earthquake in San Francisco, but there's also a spiritual earthquake in Los Angeles." Out of that came men of God who said, "We're going to start doing church this way." And some of the great Pentecostal. I don't like the word denomination because we're the AOG or the Assembly of God or the ACC, whatever we're called now we're not actually a denomination. We're a voluntary fellowship of churches. In other words, we're not in it because we have to be. We're in it because we want to be, which is actually quite amazing. And, and, and we love it and we're committed to it. But if we decided as a church we didn't want to be, we'd have a vote and we could leave. But we ain't having that vote because we're part of something bigger than us. But, but, the, but the point that I'm trying to make is th- that movement flourished. And then there was kind of like an African-American because there's still segregation. There was an African-American version of that, the Church of God in Christ. And then the Church of God started. And And then you had numerous different denominations. There's a denomination, the Apostolic Church, which Ash Hamilton's dad is the president of over in the UK and was here in Australia. And and just different denominations started that really all trace their roots back to this. One guy that got touched was a guy called Smith Wigglesworth. He got touched in that revival. He went around seeing major miracles from heaven happen. And he is directly responsible for the starting of Influences Church back in McGill some hundred years ago. Richmond Assembly of God in Melbourne used to be called Richmond Temple, one of the largest churches in Australia. Started by Wigglesworth preaching in Melbourne and God doing supernatural things. Out of that revival, you know today the Pentecostal church in the world is the fastest growing group of churches in the world. In China, 36,000 people a day are being saved in Pentecostal churches. See, isn't that a, isn't that amazing? Papua New Guinea, forty-five percent of people are saved. Of that forty-five percent, eighty percent of them are in Pentecostal churches. It's amazing, and, and I'm not trying to be crazy. You're either saved or, or you're. In, it's almost criminal over there. It's two worlds in one, in one country. But I'm telling you right now that that if that's what God did hundred years ago or hundred and ten years ago, now in, in in California, what can God do yeah, in good old sunny Adelaide where? We're, we're Beautiful one day, perfect the next. Beautiful one day, no power the next. <laughs> read those stories and think for, for 400 years, religion had cut off the move of God. The religious church of the day the, the, had, had really made church so traditional. They were telling people they couldn't even read a Bible unless they were pastors. They kept people away from God. See, religion will always create a mediator between you and God. But God and His grace blew that mediator out of the water and let us know the only mediator we need to know is Jesus and poured out the Holy Spirit and people were touched and people were getting filled with the Holy Ghost and speaking in tongues. You know, speaking in tongues is definitely one of the more unusual things that we do. There is nothing particularly normal about speaking in tongues. (laughs) lifting your hands is a bit weird. But you kind of go, yeah, all right, I'll do that. You drink that (laughs) Kool-Aid. But you know, there there is a second experience of salvation called the baptism in the Holy Spirit, where God will fill you with power from heaven. And there is an accompanying gift that God gives us called the language of heaven, called speaking in other tongues or praying in the Holy Ghost, however you want to describe it, praying in the spirit, uh, praying in spiritual languages. The Bible talks about The Bible even talks about a thing, and I don't know if I've ever even seen it, called the tongues of angels. We always preach it in a kind of a negative light where you can have the tongues of angels if you don't have love, you're a clanging symbol. But I still stop and go, yeah, but what are these tongues of angels in which you speak? What, what is that? I, I don't know what that is. I, I thought it was when my wife speaks in tongues. That's the tongues of an angel. I don't know. But, but you know, praying in tongues is a powerful thing and 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 the problem is uh in church life we want to we want to do church in a way that serves everybody and and makes people feel at home and makes people feel welcome and so there's some things that maybe in church life we're not hearing talked about there's things that that don't inspire joy in in some people you know we don't talk about the demonic realm too much. We don't talk about hell too much. We don't, we, and, and then when it comes to the more spiritual things, often we, can, we leave those out because what are people going to think if we're we one of those churches that talks about speaking in tongues? We are. Are we believing it? Because what we're sitting in, what we're doing, we'd never be able to do if it hadn't yeah. been for a baptism yeah. Yeah. in the Holy Spirit. And, and you know, as, as a church, I, I don't want to just get us to think that speaking in tongues is the end of the road. Well, I speak in tongues, I've got the Holy Ghost, I'm done. Hashtag Pentecostal. Let let me tell you, speaking in tongues is the gateway to the supernatural. Can I say that again? Speaking in tongues is the gateway to the supernatural. So when God settles, He opens your eyes to the spirit dimension. He opens your eyes to the spirit realm. There, there is a whole dimension of God's power and presence in, in that spiritual place. And you know, it's an unseen dimension. It's an unseen place where there's spiritual activity. The Bible talks about principalities and powers and and things going on in the in the spirit. I don't see in the spirit, I, you know, and I'm always a bit nervous around people that claim they do because they're often a little bit weird. But, you know, I can tell you there is still spiritual activity, even on a Sunday morning. Can I get a bit real with you? Some Sunday morning, I feel like I'm preaching the Word of God and I feel like spiritually the enemy's trying to put doubt in people's specifically around the time of salvation and people getting saved. I feel like that's a highly spiritual time. Why do you think preachers get up and say, no one moving around, every head bowed, every eye closed? It's not about manipulation. It's about taking everything that could bring distraction out of an atmosphere because already the enemy's trying to distract. And and, and it's amazing how he gets to use people sometimes in those moments. They're holy moments where people's eternities are at stake. And and sometimes we're worried about, we've got to get out, we've got a lunch appointment, people are getting saved. I mean, it's the most important... And, uh, but the, what I'm trying to tell you is in those moments, there's spiritual activity happening. There's a, there, there, is a, there is a tussle between the kingdom of God and the, and the kingdom of light, and, and it's about the spirit of God breathing on that person to get them to open their heart to what the gospel is about to do so God can flood their soul. There's spiritual activity that happens during worship. I stand here sometimes, and I'm worshiping the Lord, and I'm singing along, and, you know, tonight was just one of those nights where I just felt like I was able to just worship Jesus and didn't have to think about anything else but sometimes I feel like now there's something that needs to be broken in an atmosphere am I talking over your heads or are you following there's something that needs to be broken in an atmosphere so I find myself I'm no longer singing just to sing I'm singing to break something in the Holy Ghost and believe in God to see something take place why because I want, to, I want God settling in this place and I believe that we need to take dominion and authority and say God this is your settling place that's why a lot of us it's so important that during our week uh, we don't just go from week to week doing, doing nothing for God and then when it comes of prayer and personal devotion and time with God and then come back here. Because a lot of us, our spiritual diet is what, what happens on Sunday. If your spiritual diet is, is my preaching, you're living off second-hand revelation. What if I have a bad preach one Sunday? What if? I mean, it's never happened. What happens when it's a Sunday where there is no great sense of God's presence and it's a tough Sunday? Or we've got to live off... Our own revelation of who God is. And our own revelation of his work. is five foolish, five wise virgins in the Bible. They all had lanterns. Half of them had oil. The other half didn't. So the half that didn't want to borrow some oil from the ones that did. You know, it's amazing when we're here, we don't really need to rely on what's in our lantern because there's enough light of God. Yeah. What about when we're on our own? what's going on in our own life when we leave this place. I think sometimes we mistake the branches of the house for our own branches and we think, you know, God's yeah God's here. Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, good. We've had a good time. Felt the presence of God. Yep, yeah, he's in my branches. You know, it's a conscious decision to live God inside minded and say, God, I want your power, I want your presence. I wasn't here Sunday, I was preaching at another church in, in Brisbane. But I got a text message from Timothy Minahan. And, and I looked on the stage, and people were slain in the spirit, touched by God. And I remember, just looking at that whole thing, saying, "God, that's what, that's what we need. We need more of the power of the Holy Spirit in our church. We need more of the anointing of God in the ministry here. We need Your power and presence, God. You have permission to do whatever You want to do. This is Your church. This is your. This is Your space where You come and You breathe and do whatever it is that You." want to do, you know, tonight I really do believe it with all of my heart. I'm talking to leaders, I'm talking to people that serve, I'm talking to people who forget about the position that you may or may not have. And we're saying, God, we, we need a fresh touch. Because some of us we're living off a grace that's on other people. We're living off power that's on somebody else. Some of you are living off my oil. I don't have enough to share. I worked hard for my oil. Get your own oil. We need need to have that direct connection to God. We're carrying presence and the power of heaven and maybe we could just stand for a minute. You think we could lift our hands to God across this place? fresh oil from heaven just comes Jesus we worship we praise your name Jesus I I just pray he says he gives the Holy Spirit to those who ask why don't we ask him just ask him to fill you say God fill me afresh don't even do it because you're repeating it after me say it in your own heart God a fresh anointing from heaven The fresh anointing from heaven. Lord, help us as people, not only as a church, but as individuals, be be a settling place for the presence of God, for the person of the Holy Spirit. Lord God, I pray for our worship team. Lord God, that you would settle not in them as one, but as individuals. For Joel and Ari's team, God, I pray that You would settle in their branches. Lord, give them that sense of Holy Ghost presence afresh so they can take on the task ahead of them. Lord God, I pray for everyone serving. Lord God, in every area, God, that we wouldn't live off the oil of someone else, but God, you'd pour out on us fresh oil from heaven. All over this place, let the anointing, Just fill this room in the name of Jesus. God, we worship, we honor, we adore, we praise, we praise, we praise, we praise. We praise you, God. We praise you, God. We praise you, God. Praise you, God. We worship you, Jesus. God, we worship your name, oh God. Mm -hmm. let him come, let him touch let him touch you let him touch you let him fill you